1: I'm Lucas Jensen and you're listening to Stacy West Podcast.
2: Hello, and welcome to episode two hundred and thirty-two of the Stacy West Podcast. My name is Gary. I am a little bit tired if I'm honest. Um, but tonight I am joined, or this afternoon or this morning, depending on where you're listening and when you're listening. I am joined by Mr. Charlie B. Stern. How are you doing, my friend?
3: I am very well. It seems like every week I am on here after a win, which is always a nice positive bonus.
2: Yeah, that is quite good because we only ever used to get Jake on after we'd lost when me and Ben were <laughs> like, can we get Jake to do it? it? You almost felt like we'd get him to introduce himself some weeks. Um, but yeah. It, it, it's quite easy to be on after a win, though, uh, for Lincoln, because you just basically have to be on the podcast, it seems, <laughs> these days. Very, so, true. How, Very how, true. How are you, though? How are you away from football? Let's let's, let's try and th- how are you away from football? What have you been doing, Charlie?
3: <sighs> football, <laughs> okay. basically. I have not really had that much of a life uh, away from football recently, um, because I'm not at university at the minute, so everything is football. It's doing stuff like this. It's working on... Stuff down at the club trying to set up the DSA, so it's just all football. I I think I'm probably doing more football stuff than Chris's, and that says a lot. It does
2: say a lot. Although he's preparing for his first game this Sunday with Rugby, uh, who we will be following closely on the podcast. With it being my local team, well, not my local team. My local team would probably be Louth Town now, who are doing particularly well as well. Mm. So, well, I, I'm I'm tired because it was it's a late finish, isn't it? um from even sheffield's not very far away but i didn't get in until half 12 um one o'clock by the time i've gone to bed up again yeah i don't have a a a real job i have a job where i work from home so i can get up at half seven to start at 25 to eight it's fine Mm. but this whole traveling somewhere and doing something i'm performing a civic duty that i can't go into this week um but it's just like oh jesus how do people how do people juggle these things
3: normally I couldn't tell you I'm at university. Oh, you're a student. Yeah, yeah. I I wake up at 8.55 for a nine o'clock lecture and just don't go. So it doesn't doesn't mean anything to me.
2: The life of a student. It doesn't matter where you were or what you were doing because if you woke up this morning and you were a Lincoln City fan, um, you were absolutely certain that you know the position that Ethan plays on the field um, for Lincoln City. It was in my head as I left the ground last night. And the reason is, Obviously, we pulled off a cup upset. Now, is it a cup upset if as soon as the draw comes out, everybody says that's when we could get something from and then we go and we get something from it? It's not, is it? It's an expectation.
3: It's, it's, it feels weird to say, but everybody, even, even their fans, the Chad who we had on for the preview last week, he was predicting us to win on penalties. It happened and he actually sent me a text literally a minute after that uh, final penalty went in that just went told you so like, yes I am very happy that you were right <laughs> I am not going to argue with you um, yeah it it didn't it it just didn't seem like much of an upset and let's be honest watching the game it wasn't obvious which team was the league one side and which team was the Premier League side and they put out a very strong side Realistically, they, they had a lot of first teamers in there, only really a couple of the youth players. Um, you know, their average age was three years older than ours, so it's, it's not like they were putting out some kind of a, a weakened youth side, and yet we still made them look like a, a, a reserve League One team. Let's be real,
2: yeah. I mean, you talk, we'll talk about our team in a minute. Um, but you talk about Cameron Archer, who signed for them <laughs> for 18. 18 million yeah. pounds. Yeah. Um, did I see Ollie McBurney is a, well, a, a, a 17 and a half rising to 20 million pound player? So their forward line that started the game, we're talking, you know, just south of 40 million quid. Um, and the best player on the park, for me, uh, in an attacking sense, mm. moved to Lincoln City on a free from Portsmouth. So, uh, yeah, it just goes to show... And, that and
3: it's, was supposed to be terrible yes
2: yeah well we'll come to that that another 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 time absolutely um and we didn't go full strength so when i first saw the team porty obviously uh ill so Mm -hmm. you've got tj coming in who hasn't made the squad at all alex mitchell technically a lone player that you think may be on the fringes by the way that ain't gonna happen for the rest of the season he's he was outstanding Ali Smith who struggled for a start um so you're talking what four maybe four players who wouldn't normally be expected to start because Jaden Brown as well yeah uh against uh, you know 40 near on 40 million pound strike force so I went confident and when I saw the team I wondered you know okay we're gonna have to keep it tight for 20 minutes or something they they're really going to come at us it's going to mm-hmm. be a deluge it's going to be tough the only deluge was the deluge of noise coming from the three 000 traveling fans echoing around an otherwise eerily silent ground um i forgot that for 10-15 minutes i forgot there was a football match on
3: it was absolutely crazy. I mean, like you say, the noise from our side. I was I was at Bramall Lane back in June for a rock concert, and I genuinely think last night was louder than what that was, which kind of says it all. Who um, did you see? Uh, Def Leppard, Motley Crue. Oh, okay. Def Leppard, mm. Sheff- Sons of Sheffield as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, last night was louder. And Ethan in the middle. If that was. Being sang by Def Leppard, they still wouldn't have made the noise of 3,000 Imps. That no. song is stuck in every Lincoln fan's heads this morning. And, like you say, the, the first 15 minutes, well, that was kind of nothing, wasn't <laughs> not, not from either side. Um, you mentioned the, the sort of slightly rotated squad, and it, it's funny because, as uh, a little peek behind the curtain for everyone listening, the monthly show is going to be coming out over the next couple of days on YouTube. And I was chatting with Chris when we were planning it, asking what his best 11 was so that I could get the graphics set up. And we both had the exact same best 11. You'll have to wait to see what that is. But a few of the players that started last night, unsurprisingly, weren't in our preferred best 11s. But we also said this is the strongest 18-20 man squad that Lincoln have had well, since I can remember anyway. But yet we still had the same best eleven. And that's kind of the point. The players are so strong. Yes, OK, we may still have one 11 that we want to see playing, the one 11 that we think is better than others. But it doesn't matter because that squad and when players come in to replace, when Smith comes in, when Brown comes in, I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm when Mitchell comes in, wow, what a player he is. Um, what a game he had for a debut you know a starting debut to be chucked in at the deep end against a premier league side so resolute at the back and you forgot that we weren't playing with adam jackson we weren't playing with paul De o'connor and we had a very young back three didn't matter we we nullified anything they showed and quite frankly they didn't show anything
2: well, no, they didn't because the Premier League side in the first half, Premier League side at home against the League One side who have made four changes to their starting 11, five shots, none on target, XG of 0.18. Um, and that's a weaker first half than any team has had against us, even technically Wickham, who was 0.19 with a shot on target. It's probably a weaker first half than any team has had this season in games involving Lincoln. Aside from Lincoln (laughs) when we went to Bolton (laughs) and there was two divisions above. And that wasn't just because Sheffield United were bad. I thought they had. They looked like they had a game plan that they wanted to stretch the pitch. They were hugging the touch lines with their wide players. They were pinging big diagonals across. I thought it was a tough night for Jaden Brown and Jack Burroughs. Um, in terms of the threat that they were facing. And I thought both dealt relatively well. I thought, if anything, potentially Burroughs on the right had a bit better game than Jaden on the left. It was once or twice where I think Jaden had been caught um, out of position. And the excellent Sean Rowan, and as I understand it, excellent should be his middle name, Sean Excellent Rowan, covered superbly. I mean, he was, you know, how that boy has still got teen in his name, I don't know, because he's playing like a man. Um, we actually had a shot on target in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, RXG was slightly lower, but that's purely cumulative. It was just the sort of performance we've seen against last season, Ipswich and Barnsley. Yeah. Um, it was a defensive rear guard. Uh, we, we controlled uh, the ball out of possession rather than in possession. So we, we knew where the danger areas were. We marshaled the danger areas very, very well. Um, uh, hence them not getting a sniff. They can have the ball all they want in their own half, uh, come into our half and and there was some good blocks and there was some good challenges. And like you say, I thought Alex Mitchell really stood out. Mm-hmm. When you don't have Pordy and Adam Jackson in the back line, you think, well, that looks awfully young. And, you know, we've seen Sean Rowan and TJ both at times just look a little bit ropey, particularly in a four a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. not so much this season. And you think, well, with another young player, is that going to impact what we do? Um, but I thought actually as a unit in
3: that first half defensively, we were nothing short of superb. 100% agree with that, and like you say, you you do get kind of worried in a way when you've got such a, such a young defense, and you know TJ TJ still has to win some fans over at the minute, and I, I sort of heard a few not comments me. yesterday. No, and not me either, but there were definitely a few sort of comments and murmurings of, oh, I'm not sure TJ starting, oh, he's you know he can make mistakes. I don't think he's as good this and that, and why isn't Jackson starting over TJ? And I think TJ very much proved himself yesterday, as did the whole defence. Sean Rowan is... Yes, he, he he was a little bit kind of mistake-prone last season. There was just a couple of times when he... Wow. Well, kind of slightly sloppy mistakes. Exeter. Exeter very much so. Uh, there was also the, the throwing away at Bolton, wasn't Bolton, there? Bolton, yeah. Um, that those are the two that very much stand out. But this season like you said, how on earth he's still a teenager is <laughs> absolutely shocking. And he's going to be one hell of an asset both on the pitch and probably financially for us in the future. Uh, which See, is- if, ben,
2: if Ben said that, I'd say he's still a teenager because he wasn't quite born 20 years ago. I don't know. Is he actually not turned 20? I might be wrong. I think he might have turned 20 now. I've said all of that.
3: So you trying to mock, mock me for asking him. how he's still a teenager. Yeah. Could now have come back to bite you in the ass. Well, That's it's shame, only because it?
2: it's only because there's some ambiguity online about when he was born. So I think if you go on Wikipedia, it's different to when the club wished him happy birthday. So there's a little bit of difference. Ah. So I think he turned twenty in uh, July or June, something like that, whereas actually Wikipedia have got him down, and subsequently think other places have got him down as. January coming
3: up, so there's there's some ambiguity. So basically, the... we're asking whether or not to trust Wikipedia or the club's media team. Yeah.
2: Word on Alex Mitchell. Well, <laughs> the word on Alex Mitchell. Um, doesn't he look like the guy that stands outside the um, bars in Ibiza, going free shots
4: tonight, <laughs> lads? Free <laughs> shots
2: tonight. Either that, or put him in a suit, and he's the guy
3: chucking you out the bars in Tenerife. No, I definitely think the first with the sort of little white vest top, yeah, um, just just like a yes, one hundred percent. He in sort of unbelievably stupidly short shorts and yeah, yeah, Mobile. yeah. I very much see where you're coming from.
2: Mobile, solid, <clears throat> read the game really well once or twice. No nonsense clearances. Again, another one who's come on loan as a young man. How Gary Rowett, I think it is at Millwall, has looked at him mm-hmm. and said. He's he's a player that has to prove. Is he Gary Monk? I think I'm not sure which one it is now. But it's right, isn't it? He's a, yeah, yeah. I think it is. He's a player that's got to prove to me. I'm thinking, my God. I mean, Millwall must have some quality defenders if if he's being loaned out. That's all I've got to say.
3: Well, I'm I'm almost certain that that was exactly what was said. The fact that they've got they've just got far too many solid mm. <laughs> centre backs that he just. Couldn't find his way in again. God knows how. And I know realistically, it's the first game of exactly. seeing Mitchell. Just going to say that's one yeah. game. Yeah, it so look, is. you know we've got to be careful. Um, yeah. But there really does seem to be one one solid solid centre half in there, and somebody who I think is going to be integral to this this team this season, especially considering you know Jackson is he's no Joe Walsh in terms of injuries. He's no Liam Brickett but Jacko was a little bit injury prone last season it was a couple of concussions specifically that kind of got got him out for at least a month but if we're if we're not going to quite be able to rely on jacko for 40 games a season, Mitchell could very easily be that player that can go into that right center half spot with Pordy in the middle and Rowan on the left and then again we're missing out TJ I, I put in the in our group chat last night, we are in a terrible, terrible position right now where we've got three players that are effectively vying for that right centre-half position when everybody's fit. It's a great situation to be in, don't get me wrong, but it's horrible for those players because all three of them deserve to be starting. So, I mean, we'll come on to... I just want to ask you a very quick question before we come on to the second
2: half. Regan Paul left. Has he been replaced? Yeah. In Alex Alex Mitchell and Jack Burrows, basically, the two, because Regan could play right back or he could play right centre-half and you would be equally as happy with Jack Burrows and Alex Mitchell playing. And that's not to devalue Regan Paul in any way whatsoever.
3: I said at the back end of last season that actually Regan, Regan going isn't the end of the world. He is replaceable. And like I say, we've done that. We've got better squad depth, actually, by replacing Regan with those two players. So, If anything, we're probably in a better position with those two than if we just had Regan.
2: So, second half comes round. Um... We stayed 3-4-3, I think, the whole time, didn't we? We just just shuffled some bodies around. Because at one point, I think you you moved Rico through the centre, I think, for the second half. Yeah, then then... did
3: Ted go out right with Mandro still on the left?
2: Yeah, yeah, because I I wondered at first, has he brought Ted on in the midfield and we've gone 3-5-2, but actually he didn't. So, look, second half, chances were at a premium for us. We had five shots all game, three of those in the first half, one on target, two in the second half, none on target. XG of 0.29, so actually, I'm not saying half-decent chances. Sheffield United, there was a perception around me Mm -hmm. that towards the end, we we were just hanging on a little bit. That was the perception. Four shots, two on target, 0.32 xG in the entire second half from Sheffield Mm -hmm. United. It wasn't the case. And I think it's psychological that we're a League One side, we're 10 minutes from the end, we might actually get to penalties. They've got a corner, the corner comes in, oh, it's gone over. You think, whoa, that was close. Whereas actually...
3: Yeah, clearly wasn't that close, was it? Well, there was about three corners in a row, wasn't there? And I think yeah. that was that was the thing that it kind of made everybody just start getting nervous. Because, as you say, when you're a league one side going away to a Premier League side, actually being in the 80th minute and nil nil suddenly you're starting to believe that you're going to get something out of the game. We all hoped that we were going to get something out of the game, but we never believed until that moment until that kind of time, and then obviously when the ball, um, at the very end, when the ball was down our end and went out for a corner with 20 seconds left on the clock, we sort of knew. <laughs> Part of me was sat there thinking, please, God, no, not Northampton. <laughs> but then, oh, no, uh, I was thinking Sean Raggett, that's what I was thinking when we got the corner, well, let's have it, here we go, have been done in normal time. Well, that was, it It was a dream, but obviously it didn't happen And. Kind of happy it didn't, in a way, because that penalty shootout made up for anything that didn't happen, if you like, in the in the main ninety. Well, let, let's come on to
2: that now because we've, we've covered a nil-nil draw, and, and you know, the the takeaway from it is we've gone ninety minutes toe to toe with a team, you know, with with players that cost millions of pounds in certain in some positions, and we haven't really looked overawed. You could see that they were the, the better side in terms of what they could deliver but they didn't deliver it and we did everything we needed to and, and we haven't actually mentioned um Ethan Arahan apart from the fact that he's he's in a song unless they mean Ethan Hamilton of course uh, but for me my man of the match was either uh, Arahan or Rico and I thought just I thought Ethan was just superb in the middle of the park I, I just I, and we say it every week but
3: Wait, I, don't, I don't think we can ever take it for granted and we will always mention it because because Ethan is he's so such a level above anything that anything that I've seen in Lincoln midfield in my lifetime, you know I I don't know about you an extra forty years on on my lifetime, you know, but to us, <laughs> uh, for audio listeners, I have just had a middle finger pointed at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he is a level above, and he won't be with us for another four or five years. Let's you know. Unless we're in the Premier League within two seasons, because he will be.
2: Yeah, I said the finest midfielder that I'd seen in a Lincoln shirt, potentially the finest player I'd seen in a Lincoln shirt um, in my lifetime was Liam Bridcut. Uh when mm-hmm. he was fit. Liam Bridcutt was an outstanding player, yeah. and at the moment, Ethan O'Rahan looks every inch the player that Liam Bridcutt was. And when you consider he's come from St Mirren and Liam Bridcutt had come from <laughs> Chelsea and Sunderland and Leeds and players like that, places like that. Yeah, real credit to him. So, no, and he was, it was, we're praising players. There wasn't a bad player on the pitch. Ted come on yeah. and he added, a, you know, he was kind of dynamic. Even Jovan come on and, and you know, he's getting bigger mm. every time he comes on. I'm frightened by the end of the season. He's going to be like, it's going to be like Jack and the Beanstalk people. going He's He keeps growing. He's going to be the giant living at the top of the bloody Beanstalk. Was there a giant at the top of the Beanstalk? in? Uh,
3: that, yes, it was, wasn't it? Because that was yeah. the whole feet so, five, four, four. So yeah. Jovan
2: and the giant Beanstalk. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so we get through to penalties and, and you know, I'd had a relaxed reminder after about 20 minutes on my watch and I get it at football because the heart rate goes up, you sing and yeah. all that. So yeah. I, I get it every week. And then I got nothing all the way through to towards 90 minutes. I wasn't even, I looked up at the clock and there was like five minutes left. And I said to Matt, I'm not nervous. My mate Matt was at the game and dad I said, I'm not nervous because we came with nothing. There was nothing to lose. Yeah. They score now. We've been beaten bravely. We score now. Brilliant. Yeah. We've got another go to the penalties. Win or lose, it—it's it, it, not like there's a place at Wembley at stake or a place in the FA Cup semi-final at stake. But I've watched penalty shootouts, meaningless ones in the EFL Trophy. You know, the oh, let's yeah. let's see who gets the, the the final point. I think
3: there was one against Man City against, against Lucas Jensen, funnily enough, last season.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, of
3: course, yeah. <laughs> who? And they, but that they, was they, knock, they, a knockout stage, in all fairness.
2: Yeah, I mean, the two big ones that stick in my mind are Chelsea and yeah. Sunderland in yeah. the semi-finals of that competition. <laughs> and I remember getting really pumped up for the Chelsea one because going to Wembley was, was big. Oh, yeah. But that's the first one I can recall witnessing because I didn't go to Barrow, for instance, and didn't go to Shrewsbury mm. when we got knocked out as well. And I, yeah, I didn't feel nervous until first penalty (laughs) and they scored it obviously and my anger and you'll know where I'm Mm -hmm. anger it wasn't about the penalty it was about that fucking prick excuse my language Adam Davis and and there's some people defending saying look all he meant to do was throw it to one side it was a bit of a joke and actually they've run with it he didn't he knew that last had got a last um Lucas really? he's got the names on the bottle he's picked it up he's deliberately got rid of it for me there should be an fa charge on that because if you're if you if, if a defender goes and gets a, a water bottle for that a keeper's got it legally in his goal to take a drink during a game and throws it away so the keeper can't get a drink that's ungentlemanly conduct the referee should have at least booked the player the linesman saw it he told him to go and get it back and i was mm. so angry at that that my watch said "relax" reminder as I was <laughs> screaming, as I was suggesting that Adam Davis was a self-lover, and you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. I mean the, the, and that stoked it right up. Yeah. That stoked it right yeah. up, and then Danny Mandrew scores his penalty, and it's like ah, and that was, it. I was <laughs> it. It wasn't that I wasn't invested, but I, you know, my inner chimp had come out. I was, I was
3: gone. Now I'm going to be honest. I didn't notice. Or know about the whole bottle throw until after the fact. Until I then uh, was, well, it was actually reading your reading your piece last night. I think you'd mentioned it the bit last night. Yeah, and yeah, I, I I'm not going to say I was nervous because it was it was kind of a no lose situation at that point. But I was, I feel like I would have been dismayed. Because I think... I'm not saying that we would have deserved... We deserved to win the game. But I'm saying that I didn't feel like we deserved to go out to Sheffield United no, like that. We deserved we deserved to go through. Yeah, we deserved to go through. I'm not saying we deserved to win the game 1-0 or anything like that, because Correct. we didn't. 0-0 was totally fair. But we deserved yep. to win the tie, because they weren't good enough. We were, as a league one side... Yep. We deserved to go through. 100% right. Yep, Yeah. Um, so, I would have been disappointed and really not angry again, just really kind of dismayed if we hadn't have won. Um, so that was kind of where my feeling of it came through. I did, however, absolutely hate Davies and was also shouting a very similar thing as you were. In fact, I think it may have been the exact same word because it was... Uh, Lucas had saved their... What was it? Their second penalty. And Davies... Uh, and I'm telling you right now, he, Lucas. I'm almost certain was not off the line because yes, I, yeah. I was watching Lucas's feet because obviously I, I know that Paul Tierney had gone over to to sort of tell them, and I was staring directly at Lucas's feet the whole time. And i like I said, I'm almost certainly wasn't off the line. But Davies then started protesting to Paul Tierney like like a madman that Lucas was was cheating. And oh, that and that was what infuriated me <laughs> about this absolute mm, of a uh, of a goalkeeper.
2: Well, if anybody who's on Twitter slash X slash whatever you want to call it, so Twitter, mm-hmm. goes to at Stephen J CME, so that's at Stephen P H J C M E. He has put freeze frames of all five all right. of Lincoln's of all five of their penalties. And mm-hmm. on every single one of them, Jensen has got one foot, or Jensen, sorry, has got one foot on the line. On one of them, he's got one foot on the edge of the six-yard area. He's got a stride like he's trying to get up and get Joven up from down the bean beanstalk. He's he's a big, big man. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was on his line. Now, so let's go on to Jensen. So he's 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 got the names on the bottle, it's been thrown away, he's found it's been thrown away. Um, he's getting it from Davies, who quite clearly is is like the Matt Reed of goalkeepers. Because let's face it, if I'm I'm angry about it. If Jensen had done it to him, we would have been, yeah, well done, Oh, yeah, we would have glorified
3: it. Yeah, of course we would.
2: Football's a pantomime. Um, But I said to my dad, if it goes to penalties, I think we might win it. And he went, why? Who, Who can take a penalty for us? I said, it's not about who can take a penalty. I said, look at the size of our keeper. And he stood in the goal and at the time he had his arms stretching out and it was almost like he was just touching both posts. He's a big, big man. We know that he's, you know, he's a shot stopper. The fact we didn't bring Jordan Wright on with a minute to go proves that, you know, Jensen is a... And OK, the saves didn't need to be particularly good, but he's lost his bottle, literally, not not <laughs> metaphorically, um, and pulled off a couple of good saves. Uh, yeah, I think um, when I say it was his coming of age game yesterday, what I mean by that is... I think there's been one or two people have gone, well, he's kicking's this or he's, you know, he's, he, I'm a bit dubious about that. And I thought actually last night was the game where he goes, I'm your number one. And 3,000 people go, yes, you are, you beautiful Danish bastard.
3: I, 100%. Um, I'm just going to pick up on the kicking thing that you mentioned, because, yes, a lot of people have been slating his kicking over the past, what what, five, six games before last night. And actually, last night I think only it felt like only one goal kick or or boot down the field actually went out for a throw-in. Yeah, so I thought I thought yesterday, yesterday it just all went right for him, and that's not to do with luck. That's to do with him. He's he's improving in that goal, and yeah, doing that, and also how much it clearly meant to him to have done that. I'm, I'm unbelievably pleased. The only thing I would have kind of hoped for more is that he saved that final penalty rather than it yeah. uh, heading straight into onto the scoreboard or wherever it went. Um, yeah. But now he, he very much deserved that penalty win just as much as the whole team did.
2: Yeah, he did. And I mean, obviously look, the celebrations at the end, they're, they're great scenes when a, when a stadium empties and you're all there kind of enjoying yourself and it, it, you get lost in the moment. And they're the moments that we live for as, as football fans. And you know, going into the 2016-17 season, we hadn't had moments like that yeah. really since the key since since the John Schofield era. I don't remember a big cup win after that. I don't remember you know anything really major going on. Walsall, maybe when we beat Walsall in the FA Cup and went through to play Mansfield, but nothing, nothing built. You beating a Premier League side, which by, mm-hmm. by the way, beating Walsall was the same because it was two divisions above. We were National League; they were effectively League One. Was that so... the one?
3: That if we'd have beaten Mansfield, would have gotten Liverpool. Yeah,
2: yeah. We beat Walsall yeah. in the first round, then yeah. Mansfield, and um, so. <clears throat> but winning at Premier League side, winning a penalty shootout, backed by so many supporters, it's not like mm. it's Southampton away and there's five or six hundred <laughs> there tucked up in the top corner. It's an entire end. Yeah. I just thought, do you know what? I came away because I always, always on this podcast talk about how important the AFL trophy is how the mm-hmm. League Cup is the third best competition and it's one I'd rather we were just out of and all that sort of thing. And what the League Cup has now done, season after season, he's basically turned around to me and go, what about now, Gary? <laughs> you know what I mean? We beat Bristol Rovers. What about now, Gary? You've got Liverpool. What about now? And I think last night was the was the moment where I came out and my mate Matt said, oh, you and Chris say that the EFL travel, yeah, you just take it like a business. It's not a business. It's about moments like this. And I just, yeah. you know what? He's bloody right.
3: It's it's 100% agree with that. Look, the the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, whatever name that they want to give it each different season. It's it's not for the clubs because, like you say, mud, there's no there's no money in it. Not really. Not for clubs at our level, but it's for the fans. It's for moments like yeah. that, and that galvanises a whole club, which which is exactly what we need. You know, we'll talk about Bristol Rovers later on in the pod and. A win yesterday helps push us into that game. Yeah. Um, there was there was the video that the link that Lincoln put on Twitter last night, and they just they just put scenes and it was the, the crowd for a minute, just as the ball went over, and then it turned to all the players. I'm sure you've seen every every man and their dog has retweeted it, including myself. And the players, the players were celebrating more than some of the fan, fans. Dylan Duffy jumping on, whoever it was, his back. And everybody hugging everybody, the players just screaming with joy, and that that genuinely made me have a tear in my eye last night, because that's what it means. And I, and I kind of put a comment sort of so when I was retweeting it: whoever says the League Cup doesn't matter, they clearly haven't seen clearly haven't seen this video. And that because I've said the same thing myself, and I'm very much on the same wavelength as you. As a club, the League Cup doesn't mean anything, but for for us it means everything.
2: I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes you have to take the finance and the future and the stability and all of that out and just put actually, because football's not all about that. And, and long-term sustainability is but football is about moments and I'm always guilty of neglecting the moments that I think are Hollywood showboating ones that went to Everton in the FA Cup and I've written a piece about how oh, I'm not excited about it and when we had Everton in the League Cup I'd written a piece about oh, I can't really get up for this you know the big business is on Saturday against I don't know insert whatever banal Fleetwood or whoever um but actually, you look back. I don't remember who the game was that I was saying we've got to concentrate on that one next. We've got to concentrate on this. I remember the the moment, and yeah, exactly. you know, I'm always I, I'm always big enough to to admit when I'm wrong. And yeah, it was it was Matt, and Matt doesn't I don't think listen to the podcast. So if you are listening, Matt, it, you were absolutely right when we we were literally walking just around the top corner of the ground, and he just said, you know, this is this is kind of what football's about. Sometimes that's. <clears throat> That's what you have to to experience. So, are you happy if we move on from Sheffield United now? As we've already done thirty one minutes, uh,
3: very very quickly. I would just Don't like know. to. I would just like to commend because we talk about the players all the time. I would yep. just genuinely like to commend Kennedy. He came out in his interview after the words just said, "Look, they stuck to the game plan." He's mentioned out of possession for uh, out of possession tactics in every single interview he's done. We mention it on the pod every single week.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The game plan was perfect, we did exactly what we needed to do and there is the reason why he got manager of the round in the League Cup second round, so fair play. He did, yes. So I fully deserved because what happened yesterday was just as much down to him as it was the 11 players, if not more.
2: Yeah, fair enough, do you want know The Kennedy out brigade from Chippenham away and I'm not calling anyone out because people are welcome to their opinion and, and losing to Chippenham in the FA Cups so are low. But there was there was a strong Kennedy out brigade at that time. I would say it was a it was a, an eighty twenty split. I mean, eighty percent of supporters I think were were happy. But there was already rumblings beginning, um, mm-hmm. and it's not there's not a lot of that now. And and you know people say, well, we've recruited. If you still don't like Mark Kennedy, we've recruited well, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Head coach is the focal point, and he's clearly created a team spirit. You said about the video, he's clearly created a team spirit um, that's. Got the potential to take us much further, and I hope that we can continue. That we can find ways to keep beating teams when we're not when they come to set up against us and not try and win the game. Wickham didn't come to defend against us, and we were able to pick them apart. Blackpool didn't, and we were able to pick them apart. You know, I just wonder when Cheltenham come and they're coming for the point. If we can find that way, we are on the cusp of something good. And look, let, yeah. while we're handing out the plaudits. You know, Everyone's really quick to criticise the recruitment, particularly Jez George, <laughs> particularly Jez George. Now, yeah. Jez hasn't been visible very much over the last few weeks. He doesn't say an awful lot on the radio anymore. But let me tell you, Jez George has been instrumental in bringing Ethan Aran to the club, Ben House to the club, Rico Hackett to the club, Alex Mitchell to the club. There haven't been very many apparent misses
3: at this moment in time. This yeah, ab- absolutely. And... The thing is with Jez George and I had this conversation with quite a few people at the sort of uh, well midway point through last season and specifically during the whole Appleton uh, towards the end of Appleton's reign. The thing is, is people hate on Jez George because they don't see Jez George. They find it easier to hate on him because they can't do it as a to a manager because they see the manager getting interviewed every week. Yeah, it's a lot easier for them to do it against this. In a way, this sort of figure that they don't see, this figure that's working behind the scenes that that sometimes they think is conspiring against the football club. <laughs> you know, obviously he has he is working unbelievably hard. And quite frankly, we've done it before. We go through the list of transfers. There isn't actually that many misses anyway in the whole of the Jez George era. And this season, especially not. Ethan Arahan's transfer wouldn't have happened without Jez George. That was specifically stated many a times. The fact that he was up there quite a few different weekends Mm -hmm. to go and court if you like Ethan Aaron Uh, and yeah we we have a lot to be grateful.
2: Indeed and look again that's not calling people out for their opinion on Jez it's just I'm kind of saying let's give credit where it's due I think we've had one bad transfer window which was the summer after the playoffs when we signed Hacks and Chris Maguire and um, Dan on Lunderloo. But then most low.
3: teams have the exact same issue the summer after a playoff because yeah. we all know transfer windows get delayed by them because exactly. you don't know which division you're going to be in.
2: Right, we're 35 minutes in so let's talk <laughs> briefly because we've we've still got four things to talk about so I don't, I don't want to be late for me dinner because I've starving uh, so? i only had like a, i only had a, a black cherry and white chocolate tiffin which is basically like cake uh for dinner um or lunch depending on where you're listening to this and what you think dinner and you lunch better is. go you
3: better go run it off then
2: aren't you yeah yeah well i'm meant to be running tonight but i'm not going to get time now because there's brat versus sausages gone in the oven so i'm gonna have to run <laughs> twice as much tomorrow morning before i go in and perform more of my civic duties in lincoln um speaking of being in Lincoln somebody that will be or will be in Lincoln in a couple of weeks time is David Boyce. he's going to be bringing West Ham United here for the first clash between the two clubs since and know, this is completely off the top of my head since the 82 83 season correct yes possibly when i think yes. they had trevor brooking trevor brookin possibly playing for them they would almost certainly it have did, had i believe one of the the lampard father frank lampard senior billy bonds um we were in the I'm going to try and brush, but we were in the car listening to the mm-hmm. draw and, and Ben, because I went with Matt and dad and, and Ben and, and, and Matt Golding was driving. We got the draw on and Ben was going through all the teams that were in there. And I, I was going, yeah, we'll have them. Liverpool, yeah, we'll have Arsenal, we'll have Newcastle, we'll have Man United. It was a, it was a, it was a good draw, potentially. There were so many mm-hmm. clubs that never said about West Ham. And I said, well, what a home draw. Because if football's for the fans, let's not think about why. Well, if it's away at Upton Park, there'll be 20,000. Let's get 3,000 got to see last night. Mm. Eight and a half thousand deserved to see something at Sincel Bank. We missed out on the Liverpool game, or a majority did. Let's get a big club. You can't get a bigger club than the only English club that won a European trophy last season, can you? And, you know, West Ham are, when we talk about fans and football being for the fans, West Ham for me are a proper fans club. they and uh, Pete Summers, my mate, will be listening to this. I'm messaging him every week. He's bound to call me out. He's bound to say something about the Olympic Stadium. But West Ham are a team that the connection between the fans and you know they're considered, I want to say, real football. But you know they're they're a team of the of their area, and they're a team with that fans connect to very very deeply, more so than let's say a, a Manchester City where there's just these big. What, yeah. I'm not going to keep going on because I'll I'll piss somebody off one way or another. (laughs) West Ham came out and I actually went, yes, that is quality. I'd probably rather have had West Ham at Bank than I would most of the other. There's only probably Man United I would preferred to have had because they're the big club that we haven't played.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am going to call you out because West Ham aren't the only English team that won a European trophy last season. Um Man City did win the Champions League. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> well, I'm just doing it so that you don't have to, Pete. You're welcome. Uh, I think you, Pete would not be going...
2: He would not be willingly telling me about <laughs> Manchester City winning a trophy. Believe right. me.
3: That's fair enough then. No, um, yeah, we we were... Uh, I was on the coach last night and we were all sat at the back. There was about six or seven different phones on all trying to watch the draw. The cool kid. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously. And then the news... Uh, was heard at the front first and so then it got filtered back slowly we were obviously behind um, yeah West Ham like I say West Ham wasn't one that anybody had mentioned we spoke about the oh god please don't be Port Vale away yeah or, a, yeah. or a, you know oh you know we'll take a Liverpool away or a Man U away or you know something like that but West Ham it kind of came out and it just sort of stopped us all thought, yeah, we're happy. We're really happy. And then, because we'd heard the team first before them finding out it was a home draw, and then it was a home and obviously everybody was unbelievably happy with that. Um, from a selfish point of view, I would have maybe preferred it away. I've not done uh, the Olympic Stadium yet. But for a, for a club point of view, a home draw, West Ham, like you say, will take 8,500 people. It's drawing freshers week for me. So it's going to be one big enjoyable piss-up. Brilliant. We'll not go into it too much detail.
2: Not like when you and Ben did the podcast and started previewing Sheffield United three weeks before it even <laughs> happened. We've got West Ham. They're coming to Sinsel Bank. It's going to be a big night. It'll be a Sunday podcast the, the week before. We've already got people lined up. By the way, you don't know this. I've already my boss from the Philippines messaged me this morning and said um, that somebody, one of his contacts, has basically said. Uh, do you want us to get the uh, such-and-such, whatever this podcast is? And I'm padding because I'm trying to find out. Oh, there they go. The West Ham Way podcast. So hopefully we're going to have the West Ham Way podcast on preview. Well,
3: that's good because Um, I told Ben earlier that I am 100% having the West Ham preview. (laughs) Yes. So um, one transfer that always stands out in my mind
2: uh, from being a youngster was when a player called Joey Beecham moved from Oxford United to West Ham and back again. So from West Ham to Oxford United, uh, the Oxford United, Charlie, do not make – he's making a face at me on the camera, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, which makes me wonder – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder about him. That was a good segue. Um, so just about really quickly, the Oxford game a week on Saturday has now been cancelled, which is typical because we, were me and uh, Matt and a few of the other boys are meant to be on a night out, which we may so. now reschedule. So it's a Saturday off. It's probably going to come at a, a decent time because actually Oxford are, you know, they're in good form at the minute. It mm-hmm. gives them a chance to potentially fall away when it's rearranged. I think that that could be, a, you know, a game between two teams in the top six. I, I would like to have played it. Um, I would like to have seen where we were. It be a great barometer coming out of the transfer window uh, to play Oxford United. But that's what it is. The next international break is November the 18th. That's against Stevenage. So, again, that one could be cancelled as well, day before my birthday. Meant to be going on a big one down in yeah. Stevenage. So, if I make plans, it gets cancelled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no need to go to Charlie on that. It's just a little bit of housekeeping, no. really. Um, What I would say is it's nice, because we we played on a couple of international weekends, so it's nice to see us with international call-ups, even Mm -hmm. though we don't know right now who they are. But you would imagine Duffy, you would imagine Rowan, potential for a
3: Rahan. Rowan's confirmed as under-21s. Is he confirmed?
2: Because I've been locked in the room all
3: afternoon, I haven't seen. Rowan's confirmed as under-21s, and I will assume that Rico Hackett, because... It's St Lucia, isn't it? They are playing on that international break, so I would assume that
2: he's one of the others. Yeah, Okay. Very good. Um, And obviously, we're talking about Joey Beecham. We were talking about transfers. uh, And so what we're going to do in a minute, you'll probably be listening to this at the end of deadline day. So we're going to tell you what we think will happen very briefly, but we can't tell you what will happen because um, we're not Nostradamus or Mystic Meg. Um, But what we will do is we're going to take a short break to listen to something from our sponsors, and then we shall come back to the transfer deadline.
1: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: So thank you. If you've now just ordered delivery, that's uh, that's good for you. Or well, it's not good for you. It's particularly bad for you, but I shouldn't be saying that. Um, so transfer deadline day is tomorrow. Today, maybe as you're listening to this. Yesterday, potentially. If you're miss- listening to it yesterday, you might be about to hear us make fools of ourselves. Um, so I think what is likely to happen or have happened uh, on transfer deadline day is one in and one out. I believe that we are likely to have got rid of Hacks potentially on loan. Uh, That would not surprise me. And I think that we may well be bringing somebody in at the top end of the pitch. I would imagine a wide player uh, so that to cover Duffy, Mandroyu, Hackett kind of thing. Um, And I don't actually think there are a great many other needs around the team because Rico is proving himself more than able to play through the centre. So essentially that gives us four central strikers with Joven as well. Um, Where are you? Where do you sit
3: on this, Mr. Beeston? What, in in regards to who else we're going to need, I think realistically, like say, a wide forward um, Rico definitely can play through the middle. He seems like he's that much of a goal threat, no matter where he is. Um, He's, really proven himself this this first month and hopefully it does continue for the rest of the season and it is kind of integral at the minute considering there was no walker in the squad yesterday i don't know about you guys but i didn't hear anything about why Uh, and ben house also came off at half time with some kind of a knock with his hip kennedy said so having the flexibility to be able to have rico through the middle uh, will be quite big Uh, on Saturday and then yes if we can have A another wide player it means we've effectively got four to fill in those two positions which is exactly what we need and we'll then have that for basically every position I would potentially just say if I was being unbelievably picky a wing back Uh, but that is if I'm being unbelievably picky (sighs) that's really tough because Burrows can play both I guess either but it would it would just do it would just do the whole four for two positions again, re- TJ, without well, having to rely on TJ or Sean.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay, I see your point. But that's what I'm saying. That's if point. I'm
3: if I'm being really picky, if we come out of tomorrow and we haven't got that, I'm not mentioning it again because it's not something to complain yeah. about. But if I was being unbelievably picky and money was no object in all of this, that's what I'd do.
2: Perfect, basically in a perfect world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I can get that. I mean, definitely, I think a wide forward would be. Mm-hmm beneficial yeah. um, bit of pace bit of trickery something to bring on I mean we've proved that we can turn games but it's the most relaxed I've ever been going into a deadline day yeah. in that you know what if nothing happens uh, we would get up on yeah. Saturday morning and go well we're in a good position aren't we mm. so you know, bar any, uh, the last thing we want is five o'clock tomorrow. Somebody gets on the phone going, to will give you a million pounds for Paulie O'Connor. Um, and that's going to fuel speculation if you're listening to this up until 11 o'clock tomorrow night, uh, Friday night. Obviously, if you're listening into it a minute past 11, first of all, get to bed. Um, or, or on Saturday, you'll be going, yeah, of course, that is never going to happen because it's never going to happen. Yeah. He was ill. That's all there was to it. Yeah. So that's transfer deadline. Um, Last season, the first game after transfer deadline was Cambridge United away and we were miserable. We got beat 2-0. They scored two goals that they didn't deserve. It should have been 0-0. Both teams should have been booed off the pitch. They won 2-0. We were probably booed off the pitch. Let's hope that's not going to happen in the first game after the transfer deadline. This season, it's Bristol Rovers away. It's always a tasty match when Mr Barton's involved. There's much more to Bristol Rovers than Joey Barton. And hopefully... Charlie from One Rovers Vlogs. There's too many Charlies. <laughs> Charlie from One Rovers Vlogs. He's going to tell you about it. He's been talking to the one
0: and the only Mr. Ben Ward. Um, obviously, a bit of a mixed start to the campaign so far. Only one win um, You know, this far in. Would you say the results have been fair, accurate to your performances, or, or have you do you think there's maybe one or two games you think ah oh, we should have nicked that one or we should have you know gotten something out of a game he didn't
4: uh yes, yeah, definitely uh like you said a mixed start for us um pompey obviously we've we've had a tough start on on paper mm-hmm. as well really a- apart from cambridge who, who obviously most people have probably said be getting relegated um but they've had a good start as well but yeah mm. pompey way I think a draw was deserved. We took an early lead and they equalized literally the last kick of the game. Uh then we had Barnsley at home went 1-0 down but we we should have won 3-4-1 but didn't take our chances. We were all over them, so many chances. Your ex-player Marquis should have scored a hat-trick um but didn't um Collins also missed a, an absolute sitter as well. Um and then shot on away we deserved to win um scored a ninety eighth minute winner. And then the last two games have been really frustrating. Uh losing um both of them, losing two 0 to Cambridge and losing um two one against Wickham. And yeah, it's just the the sort of teams we do well against are the teams that usually come out and try and play and you know attack. But mm. when we play teams that are quite solid and they sit back with a low block like Wickham and Cambridge do then we struggle, and it's it was the same last season, and it started the same this year. So it's I think we should definitely have more points and more goals. But you know, table don't lie. If you don't take your chances and you don't, you know, defend set pieces properly, and you know you don't have a, a backup plan, then you you don't win games.
0: So yeah, very frustrating start. Um, to be honest with you. Okay, I mean, like it's it's interesting you say there about you know the, the teams that you they sort of almost invite the pressure on and, and that's where you, you potentially struggle a little bit. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to it in a little while, but um, that's that's an area that we seem to be excelling a little bit this season. Um, you know, we, we we like to let teams play and and kind of hit them when we can. So, um, I mean, we'll, we'll looking at your, your new signings first and foremost, have, have any caught your attention yet or are they, are they still, um, you know, finding a little bit of, of time to bed into the squad um, and settle down?
4: Yeah, I think definitely Luke Thomas is 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 one. We had him back in the League 2 promotion season um 2 years ago and he was he came into the side and was really poor then when we had him on loan. But yeah, since we've got him in on a free transfer from Barnsley, he's he's probably been our one of the better signings. Um Cox has done decent in goal. Um there's just so many signings, you know, uh Jack Hunt who who an ex Bristol City and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, wing back. He he actually started his first game. We only signed him like last week, but he started his first game against Wickham and he was probably our man of the match. Um, right, and he okay. hadn't played a game all season because we got him in on a free after leaving Wednesday. Um, George Friend, the same thing. Um, he played his first game, competitive game for us against Wickham. He was pretty solid. Um, and then you've got, you know, Giovanni Brown, who's looked right, He he got an assist on the opening day at Portsmouth and then he got injured and he mm-hmm. only just come back um against Wickham. Um same as James Wilson. He played against Pompey, looked really good, but he got injured and only come back. So there's there's so many signings we've made, um twelve in total. Um, but I'd definitely say Luke Thomas is is um yeah, the best so far um that we've seen.
0: Okay. I mean, I was going to, you've, you've mentioned Marquis, you've mentioned James Wilson, so I'll, I'll come on to them now. Obviously, you know, a couple of former imps, we, we're familiar with James Wilson. He seems to have been yes. um, a player that didn't maybe get the the most success in, in the team, but we've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times. Like He, he seems to be a player that has like perennially, perennially achieved promotion with a, a number of clubs, even though maybe not being... A standout player um I mean you, you've said there obviously came in got injured and, and has just sort of come back into the squad um from the short time that you've had with him or the short time he's been able to to show off what he's capable of like how how has he settled into to life in Bristol
4: yeah to be fair against Pompey he was quality just the the leadership the experience you know like you said you know apart from his is his stint uh Plymouth where he was there two years when they got you know I think over the two years something like 150 points in the two league Mm. seasons he is where he's he's you know mainly played in the like you said he's had four promotions I think he's won the league twice Um, and like you said Plymouth is the because is the only time he's done he's played pretty much every game and of course he comes to us it it was actually one of our own players that got him injured by accident oh, wow. during the Pompey game. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's looked, um he's looked really good. I like, you know, we needed that leadership and experience at the back because last season we were really good going forward, but it was defensively where, you know, we conceded like 70 odd goals, I think, which is mm. terrible. And because we had such a young defense and some players um who we had on loan left in January to go and, um, Yeah, we sort of really struggled with just basic errors and mistakes last year. So now, even though we've, I can't remember off the top of my head how many we've conceded, we've conceded about eight, um, seven or eight, I think, maybe six in the first few games. But a lot of them haven't been through like, it's. it's, yeah, it has been poor defending, but we've conceded a lot less chances this Mm. season so far. So that's a good thing. Although we we have still conceding goals, but overall we are playing better. But I I do like the way Wilson's settled in, and because we've got such a stacked squad now, I think um, especially from last season, you know Barton's been backed a lot um, yeah. over the summer with, with players coming in. So all the all the pressure is is on Rovers and Barton at the moment to to really go and have a, a really good season. But same old Rovers, we we start slow.
3: I'm Ethan Arahon and you're listening to the Stacey West Podcast.
2: Brilliant. Thank you, Charlie, from One Rovers Vlogs. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ben. Nice to hear his dulcet tones back on the podcast. Um, Charlie, you you sat in on that. You weren't mm-hmm. supervising, Ben. You were kind of producing, <laughs> but um, you know, we'll take it whichever way
3: we want. Um, what did you take from, from the interview there? Look, there? There was a lot of kind of interesting comments. The fact they've had quite a mixed start. Uh, each of their games... Realistically, they said only one of their games they were kind of happy with, and that was the draw against Pompey, Um, because Cambridge and Wickham, they were frustrating losses, and the fact that the Barnsley draw, they could have absolutely demolished them if John Marquis had his shooting boots on and wasn't missing clear-cut chances. Um, But the most interesting thing for me was the comment that Charlie made saying they really struggle against a team that, Are happy to set up in a low block and are happy to let the opposition team, as in Bristol Rovers, have the ball. Now, he basically when said saying it, and I don't think he realised this, but effectively when saying it, he was describing Lincoln City this season. We don't go away to to a team and say, right, you know, you attack us and we'll just prime break on the counter. It's not like that. It's not some kind of anti football. We're just going to long ball over the top and hope that we one of them sticks. It's nothing like that. But what it is, is we're happy to give them the ball, soak up the pressure, have, you know, I think we've had something like a combined 33% possession in our first five league games so far. So uh, it seems to me like this is the game that on paper, we're going away and we're getting a comfortable victory. Now, I've said that a little bit too often in the, at the start of this season. And to be fair, it's been like that. Um, we have had some really nice victories. Wouldn't say any of them have necessarily been comfortable, apart from potentially Wickham. Um, but then again, it took us to the 60th minute to score. Um, Blackpool. Blackpool ag- again. I was happily and I was happy, not too nervous and quite comfortable. But I know that other people, like yourself, guys, especially in the first half, were getting quite were quite nervous at the fact that even though we scored early, that they could have quite easily come back into it. But ultimately, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game i'm looking forward to playing them it seems like we're going to be able to beat them just a couple of players that I kind of mentioned you know they have obviously like i've already mentioned they have got john marcus in the team he is he is a goal scorer and he is a prolific goal scorer he obviously didn't quite have a shooting boots on against barnsley but don't be too surprised to see him in and around the country area and getting chances they also got Luke Thomas in who they've had before in their League Two season. He was at Barnsley, and I do believe it's only a loan that they've got him for this season. I might be wrong in that, I might be permanent. Um, but yeah, Luke Thomas, I, I highly rate as a player. And they've also got a they've got a they've got Cox in goal. So we've gone from one cocking goal to another, and he Good. is apparently I like that. Down, well done. Thank you. Well done. He is apparently had quite a solid start to the season as well. So okay. off, you know, on paper. They have got a a good team. I picked them as my dark horses. I thought they recruited well. Uh, The likes of James Wilson as well, who I've not even mentioned yet, who uh, Charlie did mention when talking to Ben. Um, They've got really solid players. They're going to recruit again tomorrow, it is likely. So (sighs) hopefully we can do what is asked of us and what we are going into the game kind of expecting, which is a little bit of a weird position to be in.
2: He quite surprised me there. And this, this speaks to the depth of Bristol Rovers team,
3: mm. uh,
2: because you didn't mention Aaron Collins. Nope. Who's kind of play who played up top for them against um, Wickham.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you didn't mention George Friend.
3: Nope.
2: Who I think was a pretty big signing for them. You uh, didn't mention Giovanni Brown.
3: Well, that was maybe for a reason. But...
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you know, Bristol but... Rovers at the moment are already underperforming their expectation. Mm. And, you know, they are a team that it's really hard to know because you said, oh, they were happy with their performance against Portsmouth. Uh, their draw. Mm-hmm. Portsmouth had 17 shots compared to Bristol Rovers, nine in that game, and Portsmouth's XG was 2.63. Portsmouth should have won that game for the listeners. Mm. It finished one all. I'm surprised they weren't happy with their game against Charlton, where they won 2-1. Um they had 2.55 xg compared to charlton's 1.03 so they were by far the better side more shots on target six shots on target before 50-50 split of possession actually against cambridge and wickham it plays exactly into what you've said cambridge had 40% possession wickham had 30% possession give or take percentage yeah, like
4: 31 yeah. point something
2: um Bristol Rovers—they were very poor against Cambridge. The xG was zero point six nine, despite having five shots on target. So their five shots on target that were rubbish. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas against Wickham, actually they—they they had xG of two. Only one of those shots ended up going on target. So at the moment, they've got strikers who are not finding the back of the net. Now, I don't like Joey Barton, and I think I—I <laughs> uh, I, I think he's in a position where he's really shit or bust this season in mm-hmm. the you know, he's in serious danger of talking too much and not delivering enough. And the fact that they're still saying, well, we need something in the transfer window. And there's been rumours of them putting in a big bid for Johnson, Clark, Harris. Yeah. Now, if they're not going to sell Aaron Collins and they're going to have John Marquis, Johnson, Clark, Harris, Aaron Collins, I think Ryan Loft is there and might be wrong. Isn't he the big lump with a load of elbows? Yes, and stuff? he is. Um, yep, that's what, four? Maybe there's someone else, five potential strikers that they could have. It just suggests to me a kind of, you know, I think I said this in the other podcast, a, a transfer recruitment strategy that's get a handful of shit, throw it at a wall, and whatever sticks is yours, kind of thing. It just, mm. it would just concern me a little bit because I think Bristol Rovers, with the players that they have, should be doing better than they are. You said that it, it screams of us going there and winning the game. I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, but I don't think that we'll go there. It certainly won't be a 6-3 like it was last season. It will not be anything like as open as that at all. Um, But when it comes to conceding XG, you know, they're they're not conceding good quality chances. Wickham 0.79, Cambridge 1.06, Charlton 1.03, Barnsley 0.54. Aside from the Portsmouth game, which was the opening game of the season, they're not actually conceding an awful lot of good quality chances. I think it's going to be a, a, a tight game. I think a single goal may win it, either way i think whoever gets a goal is going to be in a great position if we get a goal you know that we can fight and defend the yeah. goal we've proved that after the opening day of the season we've proven that kind of relentlessly so it's going to be a a really interesting game just a word on james wilson you know there's a player who has more promotions out of lower divisions he's, he's done it with ipswich he's done it with plymouth he got promoted with us um uh, it baffles me how, and it's like uh, Ethan Hamilton has had relegations from the division. It just goes to show yeah. that it's, and that's no respect, disrespect to James also. He couldn't get in our side in League Two, and he's since been promoted twice out of League One. Mm. Um, decent defender, interesting to see him in a four, and that's interesting because Bristol have been Bristol Rovers have been playing four at the back, and. I seem to think Joey Barton was quite critical of that against Portsmouth last season. He was going, Mm. oh, they play like a 4-2-2
3: and you can't play football like that anymore. So, interesting. Yeah, you obviously mentioned a lot of the players there and I I very much agree. I've got some of them noted down already anyway and didn't, uh, didn't want to take up too much time by mentioning all of them. But 100% on paper, they've got such a strong squad. But I kind of agree with what you said in the fact that actually, is this just a recruitment strategy of just buying players and not even thinking about the system when they're doing it? It's um, I, I, And I know we're going to ever so slightly away from League One here, but I read a really good thread about Oldham. Now, Oldham have had a really struggling start to the season, but they've bought, bought loads of really solid players for the National League. And actually, it seems that they've done that and then struggled to even think about what kind of a system they're going to play in. And that is very much the issue. And yet, Joey Barton is... Because he has such a mouth on him, he's got. He's in kind of always an insecure place in terms of his job because he's. If he can't back up what he's saying, then that actually, Bristol Rovers could be having a subpar season. Sure, but any other manager that keeps the mouth shut will still will still be in the job. Joey Barton won't. He won't be afforded that luxury. Um, I would kind of wrap it up. I would just unbelievably love a one nil away victory, 90th minute, Ethan Arohan to score and he goes and celebrates in Joey Barton's face. <laughs> proper proper Chris Maguire. It's not, no, it's not the sort of thing that Ethan Arohan would do, but I would also love for it to happen.
2: <laughs> I just, I would like to go there and Joey Barton not be the narrative at all. Um, <clears throat> I'd like us to, to go there, play our normal game. If he wants to moan, which he, you know, he did against Wickham, he moans about teams, you can't watch that every week. You yep. When you're critical of other teams all the time, he was critical of Brandon Hanlon, I think, wasn't he? Saying, "Oh, I couldn't, uh, I can't see where he's going to score from." He's been critical of Wickham, and I just think sometimes, you know, focus on what you and you're doing, and it makes me happy that we've got Mark Kennedy, a man who's you know never says anything really controversial at all, uh, to a point where he's almost like the managerial interview equivalent of Magnolia Paint. Um, it, because you know you're not going to get a yeah. soundbite, and, and, and what I respect is whenever he's been tried to go, whenever the Ray Rob or Michael tried to goad him yeah. into something with that referee, eh, he'll just it's, sometimes it's a one-word answer. And Mark's actually quite—I would say he's a prickly character. If you ask him something, a question that he, you know, as soon as you've asked it, if he doesn't like it,
3: yeah.
2: And if it was Danny uh, Cowley or if it was Michael Appleton or something, I think if you ask that sort of question, he would go a roundabout way. In mm-hmm. shutting it down. I think if you ask Joey but if you ask John Yems it at Crawley, the guy that you know, you'd get you'd get yes. ripped to shreds Mark Kennedy's too respectful to rip you to shreds, but at the same time, you know that as the words are coming out, you'll be able to see it in his face. And I, I kind of like that. He's he's not controversial. Mm. He, he answers straight. So but again, we've gone off on a tangent. Charlie, <laughs> I um, I can smell Bratwurst cooking in the kitchen. I can
3: smell gammon in mushrooms and tomatoes. Gammon in what, sorry? mushrooms and tomatoes i do believe is on the menu for tonight sounds like a waste of mushrooms and tomatoes and
2: it sounds like it's lacking <laughs> uh, half a plate of oven chips and two fat fries oh, i, I do hope on i do plate.
3: hope that that sort of thing is also on the plate I...
2: yeah those 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 gourmet the mccain's gourmet <clears> ones that come with the fat already kind of on them and yeah maybe i'll have to run more than 60 miles um I haven't plugged that. I will plug it. I'm running 60 miles in September and a little bit of August, or I'm certainly hoping to. I'm doing it for Calm, which is a mental health charity. You can read about it on the site. I'm not going to push people and say, um, uh, go on, please, and, and follow sponsor me on Just Giving. I've reached the threshold of which was £200 that I wanted to raise. Okay. If you have any spare money, brilliant, please do. But if not, Absolutely no pressure. Everybody's doing something for charity. Every charity, um, you know, is meaningful and helps people. This is one that I, I feel, um, you know, a connection to that, that will certainly help people. Uh, if you're able to, please do back it. If, if not, not. Um, that was episode two hundred and thirty-two of the Stacey West podcast. Charlie, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I'm going to go away now and try and pen a song that helps Ben remember where other footballers wearing Lincoln City colours play on the pitch because he now knows at least three in um, Arahan uh, or in fact four in in Hamilton, Arahan, Ben House and Sean (laughs) Rowan. Um, So he knows those. So if anyone can find a song that gets all 11 players in the right positions for Ben, please write it down and send it to him. Uh, we've been the Stacey West podcast it's been a hell of a week to be a Lincoln City fan here's to a hell of a lot more of those this season Up up the imps
3: it's the 90th minute
2: and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.